Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Runs World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with S&C expert Richard Blagrove about doctor. plyometrics. Oh, so he's doctor, isn't he? Doctor Richard Blagrove. We've got, to, we've got to add gravitas yeah, to this podcast right. to keep us relevant. I've undersold him again. God. Sorry. Forgive me, Richard. You'll be on in a second anyway. I'll, I'll yeah, apologise then. So he was great. First time round, strength and conditioning. Made us all want to go to the gym. You've been going to the gym. Yeah. It worked brilliantly. Yeah. Now on to plyometrics. This is the bounding and the hopping and the skipping, yeah. which probably I don't do very much I don't do any I don't think a lot of runners do I think they they think oh, I'm doing some strength conditioning I'm doing some running plyometrics oh, do I have to do that what is it I don't yeah, know is that a sprinting it thing yeah, yeah, yeah. oh it looks a bit looks yeah. a bit mad on YouTube but the good news is that there's, there's a version for every runner that's a little bit more um, doable I think it sound the, the benefits sound mega yeah so thanks yeah. for Dr Richard Blagrove for explaining that to us all because yeah. we can all go and do that now all gain no pain um, hopefully and here, here look here's some news you can use right uh, definitely a jingle coming away you can't, oh. you can't call it news you can use without a jingle um, but this looks into plyometrics of course and it said uh, should you improve your running economy through strength training or plyometrics bit of a false decision there because it's, of course it should be both um, both are useful, um, according to the Journal of Sports Biomechanics, with plyometrics just edging the gold in a photo finish. So 31 male runners, it's always male runners, isn't it? Can we stop that now? Um, we're divided into two groups. One spent eight weeks doing its normal modest running, plus 40 to 80 minutes or a week of dynamic strength training. And the other did the same, but with plyometrics. And the dynamic, the dynamic strength exercises included hill running, squats and step-ups. The plyometrics included downhill running, which we talk about, I think, drop jumps and hopping and both groups improved their running economy by about 2% but plyometrics by slightly more so the real benefits for doing it it's not just some kind of added extra for kind of you know for no reason it's it's the good stuff it's the good stuff it's, it's as important as strength and conditioning so listen oh, up this is right well there's no point in us waffling on anymore yeah. we should just talk to our guests let's do it let's do it guest of the week Our guest this week is one of the UK's leading strength and conditioning experts here to tell us more about plyometrics. Richard Blager, welcome back to the Runs Well podcast. Yeah, thanks very much for the invitation to come on again, guys. Doctor. Doctor Richard Blager, I've undersold you again. I've undersold you again. Doctor, tell us, um, what do we mean by plyometrics? What's it actually sort of defining? Yeah, it sounds sounds like quite a scary technical word, doesn't it? But um yeah, when we say plyometrics, like scientifically, we're referring to something known as the stretch shortening cycle. 
you can see the stretch shortening cycle playing out every time a runner's foot hits the ground and runners will be able to feel this as they're running along so as your foot hits the ground your muscles and tendons in you this is in your legs will initially lengthen so you'll be able to feel your knees your ankles your hips all starting to kind of bend and, and flex and then obviously when you go to push off again your muscles and your tendons will shorten or contract um, and, and that process, so it depends how fast that we're running, but that process takes between about 0.15 to 0.25 of a second. Um, so, it's, so even when we're jogging, it's, it's less than a, a quarter of a second that our foot's in contact with the ground. Um, but during that process, our, our tendons in our lower body, we're mainly talking about the Achilles tendon here. They've got this ability to store and return elastic energy. And they do this sort of quite naturally. Um, and really similar to the way that an elastic band works. And we often use this analogy when we're talking about plyometrics, that when you stretch out an elastic band, it stores all of this elastic strain energy and then you release it and hopefully it doesn't hit your hand, but it will go it will go flying across the room. And that's exactly the same way that tendons are working in the lower body whilst we're running. Um, and so, yeah, the, the body uses this kind of free elastic energy quite naturally and if we can get that process more efficient and more effective, then essentially the muscles have to work less, so they fatigue less quickly, they're using less oxygen, so we can kind of save more energy for later in the run or the, or the race. Um, so plyometric training is essentially any sorts of exercises which try to develop this process. So they need to be a little bit more intense than our kind of normal running speed, but it's essentially about giving the muscles and the tendons a little bit more energy or force than they used to to try and train them to store and release more elastic energy in, in a better way. What does plyometric training look like then? So is it is it a combination of running at faster paces or are we talking about very specific drills? Because I think people probably think of sprinters and plyometrics like that's probably yeah. the first sort of like stop and the sort of like bounding and jumps and yeah, you yeah, know yeah. when you see people at the start line hopping six foot in the air to get <laughs> to, before they start sprinting yeah yeah, yeah. that is that yeah. the sort of stuff that we're talking about yeah it is but i think those exercises that you just shared are, are probably better exercises of kind of quite advanced yeah, um, yeah. Ad advanced versions of plyometrics that maybe sprinters and field events athletes are very good at and so therefore yeah maybe middle long distance runners get a little bit scared off because they're like well I, I sort of don't look that bouncy when I do the exercises um, so some of it maybe comes from that I think some of the kind of old traditional way that plyometrics was often written about and sold sort of came from the sort of former eastern block in the 1950s and 60s and they used to call it shock training and there's you don't have to go too far on YouTube to find videos of like basketball players and high jumpers and volleyball players like jumping off these enormous boxes and it's well, there's definitely plyometric training but it's a very high intensity version of plyometric training um so the way that we need to think about it as as long distance runners is the plyometrics exercises just essentially exist on a continuum in, in the same way as resistance training does so when we spoke about resistance training we spoke about initially starting off with just our body weight and just working on technique, uh, working at quite a light load and then gradually over time building up the intensity and the load that we're lifting on the exercises. So if you think about plyometric training in the same way that we can start off with relatively low intensity versions of plyometrics, which actually aren't much more intense than somebody's normal running speed. And then gradually over time, build up the intensity of those exercises uh, towards the examples that uh, that you were just talking about. 
So some of those low intensity exercises. Then what, what, what are we um, specifically? What are we what are we talking about? So examples of low intensity exercises are things like skips. So I don't I don't mean with a skipping rope here, although um, that 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 could be one version that people use. But I mean things like doing a skips or like high knee skips or straight leg skips or or B skips, um, which are sort of versions of running drills and to work on running technique. But essentially what the, f- the muscles and the tendon are doing here is, is spending like a shorter time going through this stretch and shortening cycle. So the foot's in contact with the ground for less time. There's probably a little bit more force than people are used to as part of their normal running. So it's training this kind of plyometric ability. Um, other examples are things like pogo jumps, uh, which is kind of like bouncing up and down on the ground on two feet. And you're essentially trying to spend as short a time in contact with the ground as possible and trying to bounce back up as, as, as high as we can. Um, there's a drill called ankling, which is essentially running along, just trying to use your ankles. And so your knees stay relatively stiff, like your hips stay quite straight as well. And you're essentially just trying to bounce from one foot to the other by pulling your, your toe tight to your shins and then planting your ankle into the ground. Um, so yeah, those three or four exercises are probably, probably the best examples of low intensity plyometrics. It's a, I think I've seen pogo in, and you can do it almost, if you're at the gym, you can use a resistance band to kind of like support you initially. So even if you're sort of beginning at a very base, base level, you can sort of unweight yourself a little bit with uh, it. Okay. Yeah, if you've, if you've got access to kind of, yeah, one of those big thick resistance bands and something that you can anchor it around like a, like a squat stand. Yeah. Yeah, essentially what the band will do if you hold on to it is it'll, it'll pull you higher off the ground. But because you're still holding on to it, you hit the ground with obviously a little bit less force. So, yeah, you often see those used in rehabilitation of people that have done, done plyometrics before and are trying to bridge back. That was my sort of, the ne- leads into the next question of like, how do you manage this then if, with injury? So if someone's sort of, I mean, obviously, if you've got any sort of existing industry, in, injury, we're not telling you to just go and do plyometrics because that, you know, it like, but... If because it's sort of as you say, we're loading up tendons and those sorts of things. Is there a particular risk with plyometrics that people could injure themselves? Is it sort of something that people need to be wary of, as with any sort of new format of training, or is it so part and parcel of what happens when you run anyway that it should be all right? Yeah, it's there. There are obviously risks associated with it, but I don't think those risks are any higher than any other type of sort of new and novel training that people haven't done before. So it's, it's it's the same as if you were to go to the gym for the first time and you sort of, you understand that getting stronger is going to be a good thing. So you whack 100 kilograms on the bar and you, you try to start squatting. Like the, the risk of injury is going to be quite high. And so equally, if, um, if people start doing plyometric training and they start jumping on and off big boxes or they put, get the big hurdles out and start trying to jump over those, like the likelihood they're going to get some sort of Achilles type issue or knee knee problem or whatever is going to be quite high. Whereas um, the risk associated with doing exercises that are fairly low intensity, like the ones we described before, is pretty low. Um, I mean, we see that in the studies that a couple of the studies that I've done and the sort of six or seven other studies that have used plyometric training, like over a two, two to three month period, like the number of kind of dropouts because of musculoskeletal injury, it's actually really, really low. And it's just because the exercise intensity is managed well, like the dosage in terms of how many foot contacts are within the session is, is managed quite well. Like it's probably being coached, which is uh, an, another important thing with these exercises. And so people aren't kind of rushing into it and uh, trying to ramp up the progression too quickly. 
how much do you need to do which like in terms of like a runner's week because i'm always aware of like runner, runners having relatively short amount of time for these things yeah and this is one of the other really good things about plyometrics you don't actually need to do very much of it yes um to get a benefit <laughs> so like most most of the research evidence would suggest to start off you probably only need about 50 foot contacts per session well wow. it's like nothing isn't it yeah if you pick like two or three exercises so maybe you do like some high knee or a skips you do pogo jumps and you do ankling or some sort of fast strides or sprints like pick two out of two or three of those exercises do two or three sets of each of the exercises and probably no more than eight to ten foot contacts per set like that will add up to sort of 50 to 60 foot contacts quite easily um, and if you have a slow walk back recovery between each set or maybe about a minute or so um, between each of the sets that you've done like that will take probably 10 to 15 minutes um, so I often encourage runners to use these types of like plyometric units or sessions just before they go out for a run it's kind of part of an extended warm-up um, or have it as part of a broader um, strength and conditioning session so if you're in a if you're in a gym and you've got like a little bit of space you can do these exercises like it's it kind of forms part of a nice warm-up before you and do your resistance training um, and if people do those probably three times a week um, then they'll get benefits really really quickly within the space of sort of four to six weeks it's good isn't it no it's, equipment it sounds great and yeah. those and, the, and those benefits are because obviously we're talking distance rather than sprinting but there's going to be a degree of power there right that's going to be what one of the initial benefits and then in, in and then is the rest of it just sort of centered around kind of I mean, I don't. You, I like, don't like the phrase bulletproofing yourself, but like, is it more just basically you're firming up those sort of areas that are going to get a lot of regular, repetitive use? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, going back to your first point, because yeah, plyometrics is certainly what we'd consider like a a power training modality. Like we're trying to improve how quickly we're developing force and trying to speed up the velocity of the movement. So the two main focuses I always give to the runners that I work with. Is the ground the ground contact time needs to be really really short, so you need to be on and off the ground as quickly as possible to get the most benefit, and you're trying to bounce back up as high as possible. Of if, if we're going in a straight line, like you're trying to bound into the into the next step as far as possible if we can, and so yeah, you will get the power benefits if you sort of focus on those two things. Um, and then yeah, the in, the injury side. So there's not been a ton of kind of research that's looked at injury prevention with plyometrics, at least at least in running. But given that we're going to improve the sort of stiffness and resilience of connective tissue, particularly the Achilles tendon, like it will offset the risk of runners getting injuries in those areas as long as they've kind of progressed and prescribed it appropriately over time. It's time for an advert. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And now back to the podcast. Would it um will it improve your form? I'd imagine that people who do lots of like plyometrics, it, it would create this quite nice, graceful, bounding type stride. Is that is that one of the benefits of doing this stuff regularly? Yeah, I th- certainly that's the what runners tell me, like the way it kind of feels. And so, like the main benefit we're trying to get from plyometrics is trying to improve something called stiffness. Um, and so, the the best way to sort of think about stiffness, like you think about a squash ball. If you throw, throw a squash ball on the ground, like it bounces back up a little bit because it's a bit sort of soft and squidgy compared to one of those power balls that kids play with. And uh, Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you throw those against the ground, it bounces easily back up to the same sort of height because it's very, very stiff and solid. And so that's essentially the um, the quality that we're trying to improve in, in tendons. So like a lot of runners will say, like the sensation it feels like is they do feel a little bit more stiff and kind of springy and bouncy off the surface. Um, and so, yeah, whether or not that changes running form could be debated. Okay. But yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah. yeah, it sort of like fires you into the next stride and you sort of feel a little bit, yeah, a little, little, little bit more bouncy with the way that you're running along. It's good because it's, it's also like um, we, we talked with a guy, uh, Shane Benzie, you're probably familiar with him. He's very into like um, the elasticity of the body. Fascia. The fascia, yeah, exactly. What is this? This, this is kind of playing in the same territory, isn't it, in terms of. I mean, the big carrot when when Shane talks about it is it's kind of this is free energy, you know. This is kind of like the yeah, exactly. Yeah, is that we're talking about the same kind of thing, aren't we? Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Um, yeah, and I mean the main the main thing with fascia is it's sort of interwoven in and around muscles, and the way we want the muscle and the tendon to try to behave is we want the muscle to stay as static or as or we call it like an isometric contraction, like a static contraction, if we can. And that allows the tendon to do the sort of lengthening part and then the shortening part. And we know that we get huge amounts of storage and return from tendons. We don't get a huge amount from kind of connective tissue that's interwoven in and around muscle, particularly if the muscle is very static, because obviously then it's not it's not stretching in the first place. 
And so that's what you kind of see with very high level sprinters that they're really, really good at using the tendons in that sort of way. And so we're trying to get kind of distance runners to move a little bit more like that. Um, but you obviously need yeah quite a strong muscle to to support that lengthening and shortening. Is there um like a type of runner in terms of like age or sex or distance who who's going to benefit more or less from plyometrics, or maybe he has to be careful about it, perhaps? Yeah, I mean the the research evidence would suggest all runners benefit. I mean the, we've actually got quite a lot of studies in kids and young athletes. Like m- most of them aren't in runners; they're in like youth footballers or like multi-sports youth athletes. There's actually quite a lot of research showing that the stretch shortening cycle, like plyometric qualities, change really, really positively in young athletes. Um, the, the research in adults, like most of it, inevitably has done, been done in males, but there are definitely studies in mixed cohorts and uh, and, and some females only. With with females, you've got to be females have got to be a little bit more careful with plyometrics, particularly if they're on one leg at a time. So if they're doing exercises like hopping and bounding because most females have slightly wider hips than males, like it's a little bit more difficult to control knee position. And so if knees are starting to collapse inwards and sort of point inwards on landing, that quite quickly or quite often leads to patellofemoral pain and sort of, yeah, kind of runner's knee. And so having a lot of strength, particularly, this is both males and females, but more more so females, having a lot of strength in the gluteal muscles and making sure the glutes and some of the other muscles in the lower limb are strong enough to cope with that is really important. So this is where kind of resistance training often sits alongside plyometrics because it will build the strength in the muscle to allow the performance in the plyometrics to be better and to enable particularly the knee to position itself appropriately when when we're landing. Is there anything that we're doing in our daily lives or is perhaps part of, I mean, I like skipping and I know that yeah. you talked about how that was sort of the same thing. I guess it depends how I skip. If I skip with just my ankles, then I'm doing it. That's plyometrics, <laughs> plyometrics but if I use any yeah. other, yeah. But is there anything sort of relatively everyday-ish that people kind of like, more, oh, right, and that kind of will allow for some plyometric sort of development? Um, yeah, skipping is a really good example. And if... If people skip regularly, they're probably not quite getting enough sort of intensity or overloads for it to be plyometric. Whereas if, like I haven't skipped for ages, so if I start skipping today, for example, like it it would probably for me be considered a plyometric because it's intense enough and I'm on and off the ground fast enough to sort of provide me with a little bit of overload. So it's, it's again, it, it kind of comes back to, to what you, you used to. Um, there's probably not anything else that's kind of every day i mean certainly if you if you run down a hill so most runners are obviously running up and down hills most days as part of their training but if you run very fast down a hill well that's obviously quite stressful to knees um and it's yeah it's it's a little bit more plyometric in nature what we'd consider plyometric because of the additional forces and overload that you're placing on some of your lower limb structures so i guess that might be an everyday thing but people wouldn't think of that as I'm running down a hill, so it's like a bit of plyometric. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just if you're running down the hill f- fast, if you sort of like, oh, I'm going to try and I'm going to go down this hill as fast as possible. Um, so it is very prescribed. Like that's that's more, more my sort of takeaway is that there's not there's not a lot because you can say with like strength stuff, like you could, if you carry a big shopping bag home, do you know what I mean? Like you can you kind yeah. of like you've ticked off a bit of like load there carrying, and you can kind of oh that maybe that. But plyometrics feel very much hopscotch. Feel, you didn't yeah, hopscotch in <laughs> maybe. Yeah, <laughs> sort of drawing Definitely, drawing yeah, yeah. on the pavement. Yeah, yeah, no, but I, it's just good to know that it is very much like one of those takeaways. That's like yeah, no, yeah. this is 
50 minutes of your time well spent on this. And we're talking, we're talking two or three times a week, aren't we? That's the gold standard here, if you could. Yeah, I, th- I think for the performance outcomes, it seems that two or three times a week is, is, um, is about optimal. Um, I mean, we haven't spoken too much about sort of bone health, but we know plyometric training is, is a really, really potent stimulus for, um, for driving changes in bone. Um, and most of the research on that, like the studies tend to be a little bit longer, actually, they're sort of six months, but even in sort of postmenopausal women, um, they're in the 60s, sometimes 70s, they'll be doing plyometrics sort of five times a week. Um, injury rates are really low and the changes they get to, to kind of bone and muscle strength are, are really, really positive. Um, so those studies, yeah, will, will tend to be doing it a little bit more frequently, like almost every single day of the week. Um, but they're obviously not doing all this kind of cardio respiratory metabolic running stuff alongside it um and that's the priority for most runners so yeah two to three times a week for runners seems about right so so many benefits so many benefits especially that bone health stuff because the other side of that is lifting heavier weights right that's yeah. that's the other thing that can improve bone health in terms of as you as someone aging <laughs> I, I that's something that i know that is more going to creep more and more into my existence if i want to like retain bone density yeah 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 yeah. so it seems as you were talking about um that sort of like building the plyometrics perhaps into the strength sessions is a really good way of sort of a double dose of yeah and on on that i was thinking um i know when you're lifting relatively heavy weights which i guess is what we're kind of ultimately encouraging runners to do you meant to have fairly lengthy um gaps between them would that be a, a time where you could for instance between your squatting reps, you could do plyometrics or, or is that kind of, does that rest need to be absolutely just rest for it to be useful? Yeah, that's probably not a bad way to organise the session. Um, it's certainly a bit more time efficient. So runners that, that are a little bit short of time and have got busy lifestyles, kind of need, they need to be in and out of the gym fairly quickly. Yeah, to kind of supersetting as we call it or doing the plyometrics in between the the rest would would be fine. I think as long as runners are doing that more towards the start of the session. So yeah, using your example, like if if the back squat is the first exercise in your in your strength program, if the plyometrics are kind of mixed in with the recoveries there, that that would probably be fine. Um I think you just got to make sure that between the squats and the plyometric exercise and then the plyometric exercise back to the squats there's enough recovery time. So yeah, probably nine, 90 seconds to two minutes, perhaps, between each. Interesting. Oh, is, I, I can see Rick, Rick's no, just, just trying, Rick, I'm just trying, trying to, to... How we can shoehorn this in. <laughs> so for, for me, it's like there, there are certain things in running. Most things to get better as a runner, it involves quite a lot of work, sometimes some pain, yeah. quite a lot of time. And I think plyometrics actually is one of those ones where, like, relatively enjoyable, quick, equipment-free... The biggest takeaway is actually the sensation. Like I feel like that's yeah, okay. going to be the biggest win on this is the actual feeling of uh, security maybe when you're running, uh, like the mm. feeling that it gives you in terms of like control, a sense of like ground contact, all of those sorts of elements yeah, yeah. which you kind of make you feel more like powerful as a runner. Yeah, right. Okay. Like that's yeah, yeah. that's the end goal here. I'm like, if you can feel like you're, you are Bambi, you just pop it <laughs> along. Like that's, I feel like that's, a, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Richard, thanks so yeah. much for, for coming on the podcast again, talking about plyometrics. Really, really interesting to uh, to get your clarity o- on this area. And I hope everyone listening is going to be bounding with joy as a consequence. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. So that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Richard Blagrove, Dr. Richard Blagrove, and to you, of course, for listening. You can subscribe to Runners World and get 12 issues of the magazine uh, coming through your front door. Look. 
Christmas is around the corner. This is a great present for someone. And if you sort of time it right, you'll get like January will be the first one and you can be like, oh, it's the new year. What can I do with this wonderful time to get outside? Oh, I know. I'll, stay, I'll, I'll do some more running. Here's a magazine that tells me how to do it. That's why you need to subscribe now. That's the reason. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you haven't subscribed to it already, please do. Uh, and you'll hear from us next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.